This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I had an ex-boyfriend of mine who told me at one point after a small argument that you sound just like your mother. And I remember feeling like that was the worst thing anyone could ever say to me. Welcome to How To. I'm Charles Dewey. At some point in most of our lives, you reach a certain age and all of a sudden these words tumble out of your mouth and you think to yourself, oh my God, I am becoming my parents. For our listener this week, when she had that realization, it wasn't a funny thing. Instead, it was a wake-up call because there are some aspects of her mom's life that she really wants to avoid. My name is Michelle. I live in San Diego. I am a proud dog mom. I sell toilet paper for a living. Selling toilet paper, that's as close to an essential job as you can get in a pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. And it's sort of funny because it's made me feel that the work that I do does matter. But even as Michelle feels good about what's happening with her job, Outside of work, she's been struggling, particularly to get along with someone who's pretty important in her life, her mom. This person is my mother, and she's, over the course of my life, just really exhibited these really toxic and manipulative behavioral tendencies that I'm just really looking for ways to kind of better navigate it long term for both of our mental health. And the thing of it all is, Michelle says in many ways she had this idyllic childhood. But at the same time, she always noticed these small things that seemed off. My parents would fight constantly. And I just always remember whenever they would get into these sort of arguments, I would hide in a room and eventually they they divorced. And that was super hard on me and my brother because my mom would really just start putting me and my brother in the middle of this situation. She would ask me to do things like make sure I get the child support check or kind of make me the messenger. As Michelle grew up, she started realizing that there are these patterns in how her mom behaved. She would take advantage of the situation and make this about her. An example of that is my brother's um, wedding. She just found this small 
instance where the mother of the bride maybe said something to her in passing and nothing horrid. And she ended up really thinking, this is it. You know, I'm not a member of this family. I'm not liked. And she kind of just stormed off and cried at my brother's wedding. And it's kind of this odd cycle, like, oh no, here we go again. It was like her mom was compelled to make herself the center of attention. And that instinct, that need to bring drama to where it isn't needed, Michelle feels that same impulse sometimes. There are a lot of things that I'm excited to be like my mom because she is an incredibly strong person. She's dealt with a lot, but where I'm not excited to, to be like my mom is where she feels like the world revolves around her. My mom never really had any close friends. So as I kind of grew up, I noticed that I had trouble keeping long-term friends and relationships. I found myself having kind of like a new best friend every two years. And I wondered why I fell into this pattern. Michelle's worried she won't be able to break that pattern, that that she'll end up like her mom, single, kind of a drama queen, taking offense at the small slights. So on today's show, we're going to talk to a Harvard psychologist who has some advice for Michelle and the rest of us about how to navigate tough relationships with our parents and, and how to be there when they need us while still choosing our own path in life. Stay with us. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Our expert this week is Susan David, who's a psychologist and a professor at Harvard Medical School and the author of Emotional Agility. And we brought Susan on the show to talk about Michelle's mom. But she thought it was actually more important to start by talking about Michelle. I mean, I think being in a situation where basically you are almost parenting your parents as a young child is just extraordinarily difficult. But the question that I did have is, what is it that you're experiencing in your friendships that's leading to the end of those friendships? Like when you talk about living into a pattern that maybe is similar to your mom's, uh, what ends those friendships? I think the last friendship that I ended was with another woman my age. And I felt like she was taking advantage of my time and not really looking at me as a true friend. She would always ask me to do all of these errands for her before I would come over to her house. Can, can you stop and get ice? Can you stop and get a juice? And here and there, that's fine. I, I love being helpful, but my mom does similar things where she will ask me to help her use Facebook Marketplace to sell something. And I'll show her, 
And then she'll just say, oh, you can just do it for me. And it sounds like even in your interactions with your mom, there's a similar thing playing through, which is feeling like you're being taken advantage of or that your your input is not really something that is being seen as a value. For sure. As an example, Michelle mentioned an incident earlier this year when her mom decided she was going to move from New Jersey to Florida. But before she moved into her new apartment, she was finishing up some renovations on it. And so Michelle decided to fly in and to help her out. And everything was going just fine until they got to the tile store. I remember we were walking around the stone warehouse and it was so hot. And I'm sort of tired. It's difficult for me to breathe. And so Michelle started getting frustrated with how long this process was taking, especially because her mom actually had brought a piece of the tile she was looking for. She had it in her purse. But for some reason that Michelle couldn't understand, her mom refused to show that piece of tile to the salesperson. Instead, she just wanted to find it herself. And so they were walking around the warehouse in circles for 20 minutes and then 30 minutes and then an hour. I go into a corner and I think I just started checking emails and just sort of centering myself a bit because I can't really breathe very well, it's dusty. And as we're leaving, she kind of blames me for not helping her and and she started calling me selfish. And I just thought that was really kind of out of left field because I don't think flying in the middle of a pandemic to help my mom pick out tiles is selfish. So we ended up really in this sort of screaming match and she starts crying at the end of it. Did you get upset and sort of yell back? I feel like I didn't necessarily yell back, but she was pushing my buttons to make me get into that place where I ended up crying. And then so did she. And then when I just want to talk about it and make things better, she doesn't really want to talk about it. She sort of wants to sweep things under the rug and pretend like nothing ever happened, which is super difficult because that just leaves these kind of wounds. What worries Michelle is that she notices that she does the same thing now as an adult, even though she doesn't intend to. I've had difficulty having difficult conversations just last week, my my boyfriend and I, I don't even know what we got into a small argument about. I think it was about taking out the trash. And I was in the bedroom and he was in the office. And I remember texting him, telling him that I was mad at him. And I'm thinking, this is so crazy. This is not me. I, I was almost acting like my mom in a way, just pouting. Michelle knows that her mom's not like a a monster, right? It's not like she physically abused her as a child or, or did anything really wrong. It's smaller and harder than that. It's more that Michelle sees these tendencies in her mom, tendencies that she herself doesn't want to emulate. And then, almost against her will, without even thinking about it, Michelle finds herself doing the same things. And so she wants to know, how do you stop this pattern? How do you undo what you've learned from your parents? Susan says this is a question she gets all the time. And the first thing she always tells people is to use what she calls early intervention strategies. And early intervening strategies are when you basically are kind of going into the day or going into the situation, having a sense of what emotions might arise for you and 
starting to kind of think through how you're going to deal with that and also, very importantly, what your values are. So, in other words, you go into a potentially challenging situation, like like shopping with your mom, and you have this strategy or game plan in your mind that says, I know it's likely that X is going to happen, and I might freak out, but instead I'm planning ahead of time to do Y. So it sounds like what you're saying is, when I'm walking into the tile market, to say to myself, you know what, there's a good chance that it's hot and that I'm going to get frustrated. Correct. And does that mean I plan out ahead of time? Like I turn to my mom and I say, hey, mom, by the way, I'm going to get hot and frustrated. And so let's talk about it now before I'm actually hot and frustrated. Is that... Is that what I'm supposed to do? Well, there's huge value to that. I mean, if we think about breakdowns in communication and in relationship, often what's happening is it's because we aren't expressing what our needs are to the other person. Um, Or we're expressing them, but we're expressing them when the emotion is already fully formed. And what you're doing there is you're asking for empathy or or embedding in empathy and you're expressing your need. Michelle, I'm wondering... If you had turned to your mom and you had said, Mom, we're in Florida, it's really, really hot, and this place looks like a nightmare to me. I know I'm going to feel overwhelmed in there, and you're looking for my help, and and I don't know if I can give you all the help you need every minute that we're inside there. I just want to warn you, I, I might at some point just like need to take a minute and kind of just go freak out in the corner and check my emails. <laughs> Do you think that would have averted the situation that happened? Would that have worked? I absolutely think it would have minimized it. And my mom probably would have looked at me and laughed (laughs) and said, I know, I know. We're going to make this 30 minutes. We're going to buzz around, take some pictures, and then we're going to leave. We're just going to make this quick. And so here's our first rule. If you want to interrupt a pattern in your own behavior, a, a pattern that you fall into again and again with someone like your parents... Try emotionally forecasting what you think is going to happen. And then be honest with your parents or other people about what you need so that you can avoid the outcome that you're scared of. Which brings us to our next big insight. This problem that Michelle has, it's not her mom's problem. It's Michelle's. And so she needs to focus on herself, not trying to change her mom. Because honestly, Michelle can't change her mom. Even the recognition, Michelle, that you can't change your mom is just really powerful because, you know, then you've got choices about how are you interacting or how you're not interacting. So, you know, if you recognize that you can't change an individual, then you're in this beautiful position of deciding, you know, well, what are the strategies that actually help you to deal with the context itself? But I think there's something else that's worth exploring here, and that is um, the pain. It sounds like this is actually a really tough experience. When you are a child and you're growing up and you're seeing your parents constantly in conflict, when you are being asked basically to become the go-between between your parents, when you're struggling to contribute, and it sounds like actually a key value of yours is being a contributor, that you you want to make contribution and you want that contribution to be seen. Yeah, it feels like, it feels like in a form of emotional abuse where I'm constantly being pushed and pulled and demanding to 
showcase that I, I love my mother. And if you love me, you're going to fly to Florida to help me pick out countertops. And if you love me, you're going to post all of my furniture on Facebook marketplace and sell it for me. It's very much how that feels. When we come back, Susan will tell us how to turn those feelings of emotional fragility into something stronger, into emotional agility, which makes it easier to separate from our parents even after we've moved away. This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Built for the modern explorer, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. And cargo capacity means more room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. A vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're back with psychologist Susan David, who's trying to teach Michelle how to face difficult situations with her mom without becoming her mom. Well, you can hear from my voice that I uh, did not grow up in the U.S. I was uh, raised in a white community in apartheid South Africa. And really, you know, it, it was very much a community that was committed to not seeing. And in a way, when Michelle speaks about this idea of not being seen, you know, that's a powerful subtext and not always even a subtext of the community that I grew up in. When Susan was around 15 years old, her father passed away from cancer. And after his death, she was struggling between feeling isolated in her sadness and and feeling like she should just buck up and be okay, just get over it, which is what some other people were telling her to do. And then a teacher suggested to her that she start journaling about her emotions. And that really helped her understand what she was feeling and that her emotions, like all emotions, 
They, they couldn't be ignored. They come to the surface, whether we want them to or not. When you experience the death of a parent and everyone is saying to you, you know, oh, you know, you're doing so well and they praise you for being strong, but actually inside you are crumbling, what you are being praised by, again, is a form of denial. It's denial of the reality that as a human beings, we have a full range of emotions and that every single one of those emotions is helpful to us. You know, when a child comes home from school and says, mommy, no one would play with me today, and the child is experiencing pain, and the parent with really good intentions says, you know, don't worry, I'll play with you. You know, what are they communicating to the child? They're communicating a form of denial that if we just uh, sweep away these difficult emotions, that actually we'll be okay. But actually what happens is we become more and more fragile. That's really interesting. M Michelle, does that sound right to you? Because I, I think what Susan is saying is your mother has demonstrated this great emotional fragility where the smallest disturbance causes her to break down and to cry. And then afterwards to pretend like, to pretend like nothing's wrong, to sweep it under the, the rug to deny it. And that you're worried that you might have learned that fragility from her and you don't want that. Does that sound right? It does. And I really like what you said about understanding that we're human and we have a range of emotions. We're not robots. That's kind of the definition of being being is feeling happy, sad, depressed, but understanding that it's temporary. And I, I don't need to sweep it under the rug. I can learn to use it to my advantage. Often what happens is we jump into our child's sadness with really good intentions. But what are you teaching that child? You're teaching the child that firstly, there are good and bad emotions, that the good emotions are the happiness and joy. And when you're happy and joyful, then, you know, that's okay. Um, but when you're sad or when you're angry, you know, go to your room and come out when you've got a smile in your face. So the first thing we're doing is we're teaching children what are called emotional display rules. These emotional display rules, they teach our kids that some emotions are okay and other emotions are to be avoided. But, but that's not great because in order to foster emotionally agile children, we need to help them understand that all emotions are complex and experiencing and displaying all of those emotions is really important. There's this beautiful and powerful phrase in South Africa, which is Sabobona. Sabobona is a Zulu greeting. You hear it every single day on the street. Sabobona, yebo Sabobona. And it basically means hello. But what Sabobona literally means, when it's literally translated, means I see you, and by seeing you, I bring you into being. When you've got a child who is upset, and instead of trying to quickly fix the upset, you sawabona the child, I see you, I see you. What that does is it conveys to the child that you love them in all of their messiness and that you are with them in all of their messiness. I, I am immediately thinking of this um, statistic around happiness where life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And I'm trying to reframe 
that victim mentality because that is what exactly what I want to avoid. Yeah. I don't want to become a victim like my mother seems to be positioning herself. Um, I just want to better manage my reaction and have sort of this like graceful awakening in the process. As a very young child, when you asked to basically be the go-between between your parents, um, your capacity to set boundaries is basically being ripped away from you. And so a really important part of the adult Michelle interacting with the adult mother is about these boundaries um, and practicing these boundaries. So, you know, an example of setting a boundary is, Mama, I understand that you want me to put all of these things on Facebook for you. So you stating the boundary. I know that it can be difficult, Mom, for you to do all of this because it feels like technology is really quite overwhelming. Um, and then you expressing your need. So you're saying, but my need right now is that I am struggling with my deadlines at work. So I'm happy to send you this list of how to do it, but unfortunately I'm not able to engage in actually doing it for you. Michelle, what do you think about that? This resonates. After leaving my mom in Florida, the first person I called was my brother. And the first thing that he kind of asked me was, why do you feel so attached or, or why are you getting so upset? Even as I was explaining the choices around tiles and rugs, I kept using the word we. I said, we went to Home Depot and we picked out the gray and white tile pattern. We chose gold over brass. And what my brother was getting at was, I, this isn't my project. I don't need to be as emotionally invested in mm -hmm. this scenario as I'm letting myself be. Because yeah. in the end, at the end of the day, it's, it's hurting me. It's part of the problem. Yes. And you get to fly home, right? Your mom's going to live in this apartment. Exactly. This is <laughs> yes. not my You're house. You're never going to see that tile again. This is not my house. I, I don't need to feel so obsessively attached. Like, this is my baby. This is my project. If she wants to paint the, the walls pink, what do I care? And so this is the last lesson. It is really easy to get worked up about our parents, about the choices they make and what they do and how they react to things. And then to freak out when we see ourselves doing the same thing. But at some point, we have to let go and realize our parents are people, different people than we are. And the choices that they make, they only mean something for our lives if we let them. So let me ask you, Michelle, what are you going to do differently next time? Next time you fly out to, to Florida to help your mom, what are you going to do differently? I'm going to remove myself from the situation a bit when I know I'm getting frustrated. I am going to let her know, hey, mom, we're going to board this emotional roller coaster here in the next hour. I can feel it. Are you on board? And be more vocal about finding the funny. And I'm going, you know, going back to the, the moment with my mom and thinking, Mom, look, I'm so sweaty. Can we please leave so I so I don't get made fun of for having such huge pit stains right now? 
not being so serious, I think. Yeah. Yes. Thank you to Michelle for sharing her story with us and to Susan David for all of her fantastic advice. You should definitely look for her book, Emotional Agility. And if you liked this episode, you'll want to check out another episode called How to Walk Away from an Impossible Parent. It features a woman whose father texted her, do me a favor and lose this number. So we brought in an expert to figure out if she should fight for the relationship or take his advice and just move on without him. You can find that in all of our episodes by subscribing for free to our podcast feed. Do you have a relationship that you're struggling with? If so, you should send us a note and tell us all about it at howtoatslate.com. Or you can call us up and tell us on our voicemail at 646-495-4001. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Rachel Allen and Rosemary Belson produce the show, and Merritt Jacob is our engineer. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown. June Thomas is senior managing producer, and Alicia Montgomery is executive producer of Slate Podcasts. Gabriel Roth is Slate's editorial director of audio. I'm Charles Duhigg. Thanks for listening.